Hello and welcome to uh, TRRS, The Rob Russo Show. It's the inaugural edition of TRRS, the audio version. Uh, the Rob Russo Show has been going on now for like uh, about a year over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Rob Russo. If you were a listener of, uh, of my podcast, 49th Parahel, and you listened to the last episode, the series finale, and afterwards you were feeling very sad and depressed that you wouldn't be hearing from me anymore. Well, listen, I'm, did you think I was just going to go away? You think I was just abandoning you? You think I was going to abandon you in your time of need? No, I would never do that. I would never do that to you. Um, as I mentioned, uh, when I was when I ended the previous podcast, it's not like I was actually going anywhere. I was actually doing more. I'm actually doing more commentary and more content. Um, it it equals out to about um, twelve hours a week over on Twitch uh, generally. So if you enjoy this show and you want to listen to more, even much more of it, you can do so over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Rob Rousseau. Um, but yeah, I thought try to do something a little bit different for this audio edition. And um, for the inaugural episode, this is my conversation I had with Jesse Hawken a few days ago. Jesse's the host of the Junk Filter podcast. And, you know, election season has kicked off in Canada. I've really been trying to avoid thinking about it. I have not talked about it all that much because it's just the prospect of going through another one of these elections um, so soon after the last one has just been very depressing. On some previous podcast appearances, I, I made some pretty bold predictions that uh, already seem like they might be in question because of the, some of the polling that we're seeing. But we, I talked about all this stuff with Jesse Hawken. We had a great conversation about our, our thoughts at the beginning of this election season. Um, obviously, there's going to be a number of twists and turns uh, over the next couple of weeks. And, th- you know, thank goodness that it is only a couple of weeks and we don't have to go through this like two-year media circus. Isn't that nice? I mean, you, as you know, but well, me, I'm not one of these people that kind of constantly talks about how Canada is better than America and has all these great things. And a lot of the work that I do, I try to dispel a lot of those notions. But I must admit, this is one area that it is nice that this is only a, a six-week endeavor rather than the, the long marathon of the American elections, which basically just never stop. It's just basically, it's basically election season 365 days a year. Not good. Not not a very good uh, democratic system there. So it's episode one. I'm still not totally sure about what the format of this is going to be. I'm kind of figuring this out as I go. As usual, this is how I usually deal with most of my projects that I work on. I'm sure this. I'm sure it will grow and change over time. But I wanted to get episode one out uh, again. I don't want to abandon you, the listener, in your time of need. So we'll get to Jesse Hawken in just a minute. Remember, uh, TRRS, The Rob Rousseau Show, is uh, part of the Harbinger Media Network. It's home to a number of uh, amazing, wonderful podcasts, such as Big Shiny Takes, Tech Won't Save Us. It's an incredible roster of shows covering news and politics and culture in Canada. Please make sure you uh, subscribe over on HarbingerMediaNetwork.com. If you want to support this show in particular, you can also do so on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rob Rousseau. And hey, if you enjoy the audio edition of TRRS, Please feel free to join us on uh, The Rob Rousseau Show on Twitch Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from around 12 to around 4, give or take, depending on what's going on. It's flexible, but it's mostly at that time. Uh, Please join the community over there. We have a great time. And that's all for now. Jesse Hawkins is going to be joining the show right after this. I've tried to set the stage 
Jesse Hawkins is going to join us now. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. Jesse's the host of Junk Filter Podcast. He's a swell guy. He was on uh, 49th Parahell a few weeks ago to talk about Doug Ford. He's joining the call right now. Let's see. Here's the, always the moment where I'd, it's never clear whether I'm going to do it properly. Jesse, hello. Hi, Rob. Hey, Jesse Hawkin. Me? Yes, I can. Jesse Hawkin, everybody. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Jesse. How's it going? What's Good, up? Good. How are you? I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. I'm, I'm currently rationalizing the idea of Prime Minister O'Toole. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. I still feel like this is a mirage. I feel like this this O'Toole this O'Toole me- moment O'Toole momentum. I think it's a mirage still. Are I you starting so- to get nervous about this? I'm just a little bit nervous because uh, there's been no uh, pushback so far. Like there seems to be some weird consensus of O'Toole mania, which concerns me. I also am aware that there is always a fake horse race narrative, and this is part of that. You yeah. know, the idea that it's not a fait accompli for Trudeau that you know O'Toole might uh, might be the refreshing change we all need. I don't know whether or not Trudeau's doing some rope a dope thing where he's letting uh, O'Toole get a false sense of confidence also in races you want to come from behind so it's a good idea to let o'toole be in the lead i I, you're probably right but i highly doubt though that they planned on following this much on their face at the beginning of this of this election like that's one thing that i think has has caught everyone off guard yeah but uh i'm nervous and i'm trying to think of like good outcomes to like o'toole winding up because i don't think he'll get a majority even if he does win um there's also a possibility that Trudeau will do a number, like if it's a very close uh, race in terms of seats, that Trudeau's probably got an easier road of putting a coalition together than O'Toole does. And that's his right as the incumbent. Yeah, that's right. So even if O'Toole, even if the conservatives win more seats than the liberals, because of the way that our democracy works for all the, the Yanks, all the Yankees watching, mm-hmm. Justin Trudeau in that case would still have the first opportunity to form a government, which would require forming like a coalition with the NDP or with the other parties, which yeah. I imagine they'd probably just be more than happy to pass off to the conservatives <laughs> in that case. We'll see. Um, and this is what his dad did in 1979. Yeah. Joe Clark got a minority. Uh, the liberals were going to get rid of Trudeau, but Clark's, Clark tried to to run his first minority, which was incredibly fragile, as if he had a mandate and he got knocked out in a vote of confidence. And since Trudeau was still in position as the leader, he roared back in with a majority. Yeah. And a lot of nerds, Canadian political nerds, seem to think that Justin could do the same, give O'Toole a chance for a few months. And when it all goes south immediately, he could come roaring back. But that's based on the idea that Canadians want an election. Which it seems like they really don't, judging from the results that we've seen so far, just for the, the early polling and stuff. This seems to be like the major miscalculation here, right? That... They thought they had made new majorities sewn up. If they didn't think that, then they would not have called this election. I think we all understand this. And it just seems like they really underestimated um, how cynical it, it obviously seems to everyone. And they're not able to like talk their way out of it or pretend that like this isn't just like a nakedly cynical ploy to increase their power. I also think that they seem to underestimate this like this this kind of very fervent anti-Trudeau sentiment with a lot of these far right types. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they realized the extent that something really kind of ugly was brewing over the last couple of years that we're seeing now in, in these uh, in these protests outside of liberal events, right? I also think they forgot to factor in another factor, which is for the last 15 or 16 months, everybody's gone insane. Yes. 
Like we're all cuckoo bonkers. We're all cuckoo bing bong now. Uh, We've all lost our minds. Uh, Not me. I'm normal, but. Well, no, me too. But (laughs) we're all mad and we want to lash out at someone. And I think Trudeau banked on the idea that we're all angry at conservative provincial leadership and that we're going to take it out on them uh, because so much of what has gone south has been the management in conservative run provinces. Yeah, like with Doug Ford and Brian Pallister and Jason Kenney, like they've completely bungled this at every step of the way. So I and and I also thought that too. Yeah. The first day or two yeah. after they called the election, I was like, "Oh, this is this is pretty smart." Because here's one thing, though. Before I get carried away, one thing that I think is good about this election being called is there was all this bullshit brinksmanship about vaccine passports and everything, and all these uh, obstinate conservative premiers playing chicken with the virus and pretending that they don't have the power to put a vaccine passport system, if you want to call it that. And once Trudeau called the election, all of a sudden, all the provinces started to fall in line. And that has to happen. It needs to happen. So when people say that this election is unnecessary, I think one thing that's good about it is that it's forced the hand of a lot of conservative premiers that had been trying to make it all look like Trudeau's fault. Now they're not doing that anymore. Yeah, Even Ontario has caved in. Yeah. And that's one thing I'm happy about Quebec, where I've been been talking about this a little bit lately, just how... In Quebec, there is this kind of innate sense of like social democracy. Even when we have right wing, like racist shitheads in charge, yeah. still people in this province still seem like, even though there's, of course, there's all kinds of cranks and weirdos, but people do seem like pretty on board with with doing this kind of thing, like vaccine passports. We have a very high vaccination rate, both in terms of like medical personnel and just like average citizens. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I'm happy that they've kind of led the way on. It's kind of forced the hand, I think, of of other conservative. Premieres. Did you did you download the Quebec one, the app? Have you done it yet? No, no, I didn't. I was wondering what the interface is like. No, Cause no, because it goes into effect. Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought you could download the app now. I thought it was in action now. Maybe you can. I'm not sure. I haven't. I haven't looked into it. I never go out anyway, so it's not like I need it at the moment. But here in Ontario, our uh, government uh, has been expecting that we'll all be happy with like a little thermal p- piece of printed thermal paper that says I got vaccinated that I'm supposed to carry around with me everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ontario is supposedly the leading edge of technology. And <laughs> yeah, of course, because of this stupid ideological argument over vaccines, uh, they're not doing it and they have been refusing to do so. And then all of a sudden, once the election called was called, Doug magically announced that indeed we're going to be having a vaccine okay. identification system. Okay. So, you know, that, that has been that, little game has been ended by the fact that the election's happening. Okay. So apparently One the th- app came out on Android today. So I'm going to, I'm going to get that very yeah. slick, very user-friendly, easy to set up. Good to know. But here's one thing that I wanted to ask you, Rob. I always thought that the sort of natural health anti-vaccine sort of mentality was kind of a lefty thing for the longest time in my life. And now it seems to be the preserve of hardcore right-wingers. Well, I mean, it seems like that's definitely how that stuff started. Like when I think of like the anti-vaccine movement, I think more about like the yoga moms, like in California and mm-hmm. San- like in San Diego and these kind of places, uh, these kind of well-to-do, uh, the wellness community, which does lean very yeah. liberal. Um, but one thing, and that's still a, that's still a thing. Like there's still a mm-hmm. sizable contingent, I think, that that are are part of that. But also, what has happened is just now that everything gets filtered through this culture war lens, right? Now it just seems like, oh, 
there's liberals in charge and they want you to take a vaccine, so the right wingers should just be opposed to it uniformly. Yeah. And, and that's something that's kind of new, I think, um, that's emerged over the last couple of years. So I, definitely, there's still that element of the wellness community that are people that are that are the most resistant to this. But because now there's this this endless kind of culture war pipeline for every single thing that ever happens, it seems like that's what's driving that, and that's why you have all these conservatives now just like lining up outside their the pet feed store to just get to get fistfuls of of horse deworming paste. <laughs> have you seen that they've had a run on that shit in Alberta? I did see that. Yeah, yeah, they they can't <laughs> keep it on the shelves. I love the fact that the do your research crowd is now buying horse dewormer. <laughs> 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 rather than take the the free and widely available vaccine well i know that's the thing it's like especially when you go to the into america too and they kind of use this kind of logic of oh, well it hasn't been approved by the 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 fda, the FDA. and then once it does approve it it's like that's more evidence that you shouldn't trust it and it's like okay well there's pretty much nothing that anything can happen to get you to want to take this vaccine is there or the fact that all all these guys who are so anti-vax have all been vaccinated. They all got polio oh, shots sure. and tetanus yeah. shots. Yeah. And their their excuse for that is, well, but that's because we know the science behind those vaccines. We don't know anything about yeah. the mRNA vaccine, which, by the way, has been in development for almost twenty years after SARS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not that it's not that difficult to figure out how this has worked. Um, One way it's, that it's I funny always... because there's these conservative elites that you can tell that they're they're fear mongering about the vaccine while they've all taken it themselves. But then there's this lower tier of conservative radio hosts who I guess mm -hmm. believe all the stuff that they say about this stuff, and they're just dropping like flies. I keep Something waiting else. for Joe Warmington to drop dead. <laughs> Warmington, In Joe Warmington is one of our heroic uh, Toronto Sun yes uh, disinformation peddlers. I think he really believes it, though. I'm okay. positive that he hasn't actually been vaccinated. He's yeah. always, anytime there's any kind of issue, like the millisecond that they started wondering about uh, side effects for AstraZeneca, he picked up the, the he started tub thumping about how this is an untested, dangerous vaccine. Yeah. He, but when everything was going well and there were hundreds of thousands of people getting their shots and that big thing at uh, the Rogers Center in Toronto where like 25,000 people got vaccinated. He just was laying low and being quiet. So he only says what he really thinks whenever there's any bad news about you the vaccine. Count on Otherwise, me he has good old quiet and to uh, talk to all this. Uh, vaguely supportive of it. Yeah, as as Dunstable Ramsey in the chat's pointing out, the citizen zero of Ford Nation. It's, uh, that is true. Um, what about Sue Ann Levy? Does she have, did she take the vaccine? She, she's retired now. She actually like took a she she left the yeah, Toronto Sun she's to become like an actor. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She said she's gonna wait till she finds out that she has to work with uh, liberals who are all yeah. in the in the arts. That's gonna be very upsetting for her. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know what's going on with her. Um, she probably got vaccinated. Probably. My my other hero Brian Lilly has definitely been vaccinated. Okay, because he's constantly. Uh, they they want you to think two things at once that this vi this virus is nothing to worry about more people die of the flu and we need to close the borders because the deadly virus might get into our country yeah yeah exactly we have a lot of that cognitive dissonance as well within the us as well when you talk to these guys that's it we don't really have that same like infrastructure of like weird lunatic conservative commentators that the states does mm -hmm. this kind of like lower tier of guys you've never heard of that apparently have these like huge platforms but and if apparently like kind of started to believe all the wacky stuff that they, that their their movement leaders have been saying for a while, we don't really have that to the, quite the same extent here. Not yet, and that's Not what yet. Yeah. spooks me a little bit about uh, 
the, the in the in some provinces in Ontario we have plenty of these people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is like the this has been the concerning thing for me is that like ever since Trump was elected and then immediately followed by Doug Ford, I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop in Canadian politics. When are we going to have this big national like far right wing populist movement? Like I just feel like we're always we're always five to ten years behind the states in these political trends. We've got the mm-hmm. Canadian Obama right now. Um, yeah. So just from that basic math, it's like I've just been waiting for when is this going to really emerge? And that's been kind of one of the surprising things about the last couple of years is that it hasn't really. But over the course of this pandemic, it kind of has started to emerge. And even though like O'Toole, I just feel like has no, Aaron O'Toole, the Conservative Party leader, he's just got zero charisma. He's got nothing going on. He sucks. Like he doesn't really have. You know, I don't feel like he doesn't have the juice to yeah. be like one of these big populist guys. But yeah. that's the thing that I've noticed, uh, especially in the early days of this campaign, which is that um, there's there's this like really ugly far right movement that's been building, and regardless of whether the conservatives are ready to like harness that or not, these people are like ready, and they're yeah. now this now that this election has been called, they're like ready to come out. They're protesting all these all these Trudeau events. Um, so the the movement is there. Like I don't think there's anyone there to really like steer it in a in a any kind of direction yet, but like mm-hmm. we do see that the undercurrent there has been building for a while and is starting to really finally emerge. We have a situation that's pretty deadly in this country, which is a problem in America, which is that idea of stochastic terrorism and stochastic violence. Yeah, that yeah. that a leader will not go all the way up and say it into a microphone, but they will also not do anything disciplinarian about all the people. Uh, like they send out this sort of messaging that gets taken to heart by psychos, but they haven't actually commissioned anybody to do any damage. Like they have plausible deniability. Yeah, plausible deniability. Yeah. So, like a guy like Aaron O'Toole will say something like, "Well, we want to. We believe that those decisions should be uh, left to the individual and to for them to worry about their own health choices." Because what he wants is twofold. He doesn't want to lose what he hasn't already lost to the pe- People's Party, who are strongly anti-vaccine. Yeah. And he also wants to bring a few of those people back. I think one reason why he's not in a majority position right now is because 5% of the vote is sitting with Maxime Bernier. He has something like 5%. The complete lunatic fringe on the right, they all think that Aaron O'Toole is Pierre Trudeau with no hair. Yeah, They yeah. think that he's a globalist. They he's think like a that secret he's lib. A yeah. liberal. Because <laughs> he doesn't hate the darkies as much as Maxime Bernier does. Yeah. Or he just doesn't use the he, like he still speaks in dog whistles really rather yeah. than like Bernier. He's, they've just like given up on using this kind of rhetoric and they just openly say the racist and vile things that they believe rather than just like alluding to it gently. You know, I think before the residential schools nightmare opened up uh, in the news earlier this year, that um, it took one of uh, Aaron O'Toole's big weapons away, which was that he was going to. Uh, all the statues being torn down took another weapon away that he was going to go after political correctness. Yeah. The culture, how we have to, you know, cancel culture culture. war and how, you know, Oh, if you really want to get under a liberal skin, you tell them that, uh, that Trudeau built residential schools. That's a good way to shut these liberals up. And he's not allowed to say shit like that in this state. Right. Even though, (laughs) but at the same time, you could totally go after Trudeau for his lack of action on these files. And yeah. you can go after Trudeau for like doing nothing about the boil water advisories, but suing the shit out of the survivors of residential schools who are taking him to court. These are all sins. 
and no political party uh, really has their hands clean enough to go after Trudeau on that, least of all the conservatives. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, like Aaron O'Toole would not do anything about it either. No, of course not. But I he think... doesn't say that he's going to. And that's the difference between him and Trudeau. Yeah. That's why Trudeau has been such a disappointment for so many. I think this does lead to the really like kind of scary thing at this moment now, which if this does happen again, I'm I'm not panicking yet. But if we do in this moment of like the coming climate crisis in the middle of the pandemic now and the reins over to this conservative party, I mean, it's going to be a fucking disaster for everyone. Yeah. Um, that's the really kind of scary thing about this moment. I'm not ready to panic yet, but like the possibility now that this could go completely sideways. I mean, as as much as I'm trying to like remain calm about it, mm-hmm. uh, it's still a, it's still an absolute possibility, and would be a, a absolute fucking disaster for the country. They're also going to be un- unbearably smug about it. Oh yes, they are going to be gloating. They're going to be bragging about how they knocked down the you know Trudeau. Yeah. they've been trying to get him for so long. One of the big mistakes that they always make when they talk about Trudeau being you know a girly man or a little child or a spoiled brat is that they keep losing to him. So what does that say about them? That's true. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why he called this election in the first place, right? Is because they didn't, they don't have their shit together. And he mm-hmm. just assumed naturally, they're like, well, they, they're, they've got nothing going on. O'Toole sucks. They have no chance of winning. So I'm pretty safe to call this election and it's probably going to be fine. But that's what I mean. It's like this, this undercurrent of this, this, this reactionary undercurrent kind of exists regardless of what the conservative party is doing. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of big mistake that he's made here. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand, like, there's a side of me that thinks that if Trudeau can't handle this lightweight Aaron O'Toole, then he doesn't deserve to be the prime minister. I know no, what the consequences of that are, though. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, that's that's the one positive thing, is if he did lose this election to the Conservative Party, it would probably mean the end of his, maybe not his political career, but like his 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 time at the top of the Liberal Party. Like, I don't know how he would continue on if that was the that was the result. If he calls an, his own, calls an election... 18 months after the previous election and hands over power in that way, like it would be a fucking disaster. And that would be one positive thing is that we would at least be probably free of him for a little while. It would also marginalize the liberals because who do they have behind them? Nobody. Like yeah. who's the next liberal leader? Christia Freeland? Yes, it is. Yeah. You know, she's too teensy. <laughs> yeah. That's she's what I was saying. If they the lose baggage of her on her own, so many <laughs> people hate her even more than they hate him. Yeah, which is amazing because you'd think that conservatives would really like that her whole like Nazi lineage and and propensity to have post feet on Maine as well. Conservatives, you'd think that they would like that kind of stuff, but yeah, they, know, I can't figure these they're in up. this difficult position, aren't they? The conservatives because they they want they want to call who they don't like Nazis, but they don't want to alienate their Nazi base. <laughs> exactly, that's the <laughs> tricky thing. Um, girl boss Freeland, that's right. We're doing we're doing toxic masculinity, but um, you know. Shitting on the I'm idea happy of a, a to see the Green Party boss. self-immolating. That's been fun too, yeah, as well. I've never trusted them. No, with good cause. They always seem to me to be a party that people say they're going to vote for to punish another party as opposed to actually liking that party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now they find themselves in this terrible situation. Like I, if, if, they, if they get out of here with one seat in parliament, that'll be a victory. Yeah, absolutely, and and the leader is the leader. Uh, enemy Paul has no no chance basically to win, win win she, an actual seat in parliament. She's basically she been downtown, sabotaged. Is she in from downtown within. Toronto still? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, and I live in a very very uh, interesting riding. I live in Davenport, which for the longest time was a liberal safe seat, perhaps the safest liberal seat in the country. 
it was um, Charles Caccia was the MP in this pro in this writing for like 30 years or something like that. In 19, sorry, in 2011, with the Jack Layton victory, it turned orange. And now it's a seesaw between the liberals and the NDP for control of this riding. But in the last two federal elections, it's gone liberal because of their, the party's very successful uh, psyop to trick everyone in Toronto to vote liberal to stop the conservatives who have no chance in hell in almost every riding in downtown Toronto. Yeah. But everyone voted liberal because they didn't want to see Stephen Harper or they didn't want to see Andrew Scheer. This time it may not work. If if we're going by signs in the neighborhood, I see way more orange signs than red signs. Okay. That's interesting. So it's yeah, going to be very competitive. Yeah. I live you in a completely non-competitive uh, liberal riding. In, I live in Mark Garneau's riding. So yeah. pretty much zero chance. I don't even <laughs> – yeah, pretty much zero chance that, that anyone else is going to win, which free, it's freeing for me because I can just kind of vote for whoever. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like there's a lot to be nervous about um, when it comes to this. Obviously, like again, if we if we hand over the reins of the the rule of running this country to this to the conservative party in the middle of all these different crises, mm -hmm. um, you know, they couldn't at their convention they couldn't even agree on a resolution that said climate change is real. Like that was one of their main. Yeah, there's a pretty much pretty easy layup, right? We can show that we're can you know um, moderate conservatives. We can agree that it's real, and they can't even do that. Um, so it would be not that it would be much worse than the Trudeau response to climate change, which has been nothing so far, but mm -hmm. a whole, oh, there's a whole lot of reasons why it would be a really terrible, um, turn. Um, I guess that's the, that's the thing that I'm trying to tell people though, is that I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not too swayed yet by this like move, movement in polling that we've, that we've seen. Um, I really do think that even though this is unintentional and I'm, I don't think the liberals, uh, you know, intended for any of this stuff. I do think that they're probably going to like overcompensate to this shift in the polling. They'll probably end up offering some big thing like a UBI is what I outlined on on Twitter, which yeah. I know that they've been I, they know that they've been kind of toying with yeah. for a while. This idea when they did do the serb, it was very popular. Um, mm -hmm. Before they took it away from people while the pandemic was still ongoing, but that's another thing. Yeah. Um, and I think at the end of the day, probably the same thing will always happen, which is that. A lot of people will be scared off by the idea of a conservative government, and they'll vote for the Liberal Party because they don't want conservatives to win. And I think probably the best case scenario that we're looking at is another minority government, which would be kind of hilarious if, if after all that, that's how it turned out, with some some probably empty promises for some kind of big social democratic thing. That's probably the best case scenario, and like that may be very well be like where we're headed for this. Well, one thing that concerns me, I mean, this, I alluded to this earlier, is. I think that Trudeau might have some weird rope-a-dope strategy going right now where he's allowing the protesters to look like they are paid operatives from the Conservative Party. I think most of the people that are there wanting, uh, holding up signs uh, hoping that Trudeau will be executed are actually the People's Party weirdos and not necessarily the Conservative Party. Yeah. But the Trudeau team seems to be portraying it as an example of the extreme Trumpian right wing of conservatism in this country. Um, and I think that that is a scare tactic to try to get uh, liberals to sort of come back over because they're thinking, oh, we don't want this country to turn into Donald Trump. I think it's a dangerous game, though. If, absolutely. If that's what they're up to, if that's what they're trying to do is to scare us all. That's been a very effective scare tactic for the longest time in this country. We used to have yeah. very incredible commercials 
for what would happen to Canada if Stephen Harper was to be prime minister, where they, you know, talked about, uh, you know, it being like the War Measures Act all the time in Canada. Yeah. At some point, that trick's not going to work anymore. But this seems to be a new wrinkle to me because all these people, uh, protesters are incredibly uh, violent and scary, even though they're actually, uh, you know, they're, they themselves would be knocked down very easily by a riot police if it came to that. <laughs> yeah, like, they're yeah. pretty bourgeois f- for the most part. Um, but I, I think, think it's always been kind of a fake populist movement, like that Adamson barbecue guy. Like they, yes. they, they, they pretend to be working class, but really they're like, you know, real estate developer fail sons and like, you know, like super yeah. wealthy suburban types. And what's been what they're really angry about is about uh, the status quo that they're used to being breached. I mean, all yeah. those people are paying for seventeen dollar hot dogs <laughs> from Adamson's Barbecue, and they're yeah. acting like the aggrieved uh, proletariat. <laughs> exactly. But uh, uh, you know, it's a dangerous game. Like, uh, like I've noticed that, for instance, Maxime Bernier has been very quiet during all of this. Yeah. And I also noticed the Conservative Party who. Only two and a half weeks ago, we're tweeting that video uh, where they made uh, Trudeau look like a little bratty girl saying <laughs> from, from Willy Wonka. No need for this kind of uh, rhetoric has got to stop and it has to stop now. Like dad telling the kids to behave in the backseat of the car. Yeah, I'll turn this. I'll I'm, turn this car around right right now. But it's total. Go uh, yeah. It's total hot dog guy. We're all looking for the guy who did this yeah, uh, absolutely. imagery because like <clears throat> they're the ones who got. Who who wind everyone up and get everyone to think that Trudeau is uh, a, a dictator or a menace when he's actually just a boring neoliberal? Yeah, but um, it's gonna. It, I'm just. I worry a little bit that there's going to be an attempt on Trudeau's life. Frankly, in the I mean, there week. already has. I mean, there was that guy that drove his truck into into Trudeau's house a, a year or two ago. Yeah, full of the and guns then, and stuff. That kind of got swept under the rug weirdly. Well, didn't the Post write a piece about uh, what a great guy he is? And yeah, how yeah, of course. A simple yeah. sausage salesman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think like, you're right. But it's absolutely something that Trudeau is going to spin into like being like, oh, I'm the underdog. Like, I'm the one that's being harassed. Like, I'm, I'm the victim of this stuff. And it's going to allow him, I think, to like campaign like that and avoid a lot of serious issues. Like, he's going to not, he's going to be able to avoid his failures on climate. He's going to be able to talk, avoid his failures on indigenous rights and all these things. And he's yeah. going to be like, look at these crazy lunatics that are going to take over if you don't vote for the liberal party. And that's going to work for a lot of people. I think when I hear people on the right talking about how Trudeau's a fake feminist, I want them to shut the fuck up because they don't even believe in feminism at all. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to hear criticism about Trudeau not being a real feminist from people who, uh, who would be in favor of pro life agendas yeah exactly you can count i don't want to hear too much about to, uh, how talk it's up to the this. individuals uh in canada to make their own health decisions from a party that is against medically assisted suicide and against pro uh choice yeah exactly it's my like, body it's my so choice cynical. until it comes to these other when, things then not so much yeah when when they say shit like that like my body my choice like these guys have terrible diets and they're <laughs> telling me about the health risks of being vaccinated yes yeah it's not good um, but uh Anyway, yeah, no. So I, you know, I'm I'm trying to rationalize what 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 would it wouldn't be that horrible if Aaron O'Toole were prime minister with a minority government where he can't work with anyone and where it won't last and where the pandemic, uh, any moves that he's going to make to address any problems with the pandemic are going to be way bigger mistakes than anything Trudeau did, like running the country the way that Alberta and Ontario has handled the pandemic. Like there won't be much patience for it. 
No. I think the liberals' best argument for being reelected is to get people to imagine how O'Toole would have handled the pandemic. Can you imagine O'Toole doing uh, CERB, for instance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's there's no way. Like it, it, the pandemic response from the federally has been a fucking not great, but it's been significantly better than what we've seen in the United States. Um, there's been some good elements like the CERB, which I don't know if would probably would not have happened either in a liberal majority government. Um, maybe not. Maybe that maybe that happened because of the NDPs. Uh, the at least partially. The I mean, it's one of the long history of. That's what I was saying earlier. Is like. That's a big part of like what the NDP I think sees its role as is just like lobbing softballs to the Liberal Party and hoping that they connect on every every one every now and then and do something good maybe and then they end up always taking the credit for it you know. I want to go off on the NDP a little bit because I am an NDP supporter and I will be voting for them in this next election and I have always voted NDP and in downtown Toronto they sometimes even win yeah. but they so disappoint me with how wishy washy they are. Yeah. For them to be uh, making a big issue about uh, renters' <laughs> subsidies for rentals. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Well, this like what about building public housing? <laughs> well, this is what like, I mean. Why this are what you I've talking been saying. about like giving land? Like just the scam that I can see right off the bat if they were to subsidize rents is that the landlords would just jack up the rents. Yeah, it's just a handout to landlords. <laughs> This is what drives me crazy about it as well, and which what I often complain about, and why why I point out the need to have like other like further left parties as part of our discourse that shows people that there is an actual alternative to some of these ideas, where it's just like you have just like you know the liberals offering up like a sort of moderate neoliberal policy, and then you have mm-hmm. the NDP offering up like a what what about that, but like maybe slight ever so slightly better. Um, and in the scale of some of the crises that we're dealing with, the housing crisis, the climate crisis, like we shouldn't be dealing with these like little minor tweaks or like these, you know, like what well, it's sort of a sort of moderate, moderately more liberal uh, version of what you're proposing. Like we're, we need people proposing ideas that actually match the level of crisis that we're facing. No one is doing that um, in our like federal parties that we talk about in our discourse or that are included in the, in the polling and in the 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 debates and stuff like that, which is why I think it's important to have other viewpoints, such as the Communist Party of Canada, out there. Even if you don't agree with everything that they say, it's really important to have a viewpoint out there that's like offering up more radical solutions to a lot of these like big serious crises that we're looking at. The NDP used to have leadership that was much more left than it is now. Yeah, like in this day and age, if we still had a guy like Ed Broadbent, I know he's way too old now, but like he might have gotten a turn as prime minister. Because yeah. a lot of the NDP's policies in the 70s and the 80s have turned into uh, centrist, <laughs> you know, like yeah. they were vanguard ideas 30, 40 years ago, and now they seem to be accepted as sort of like basic ideas. So who knows how the NDP could have evolved as a party if they had gone in a natural direction. But at some point, they got tricked into thinking that they had to appeal to center right voters. Yeah. That was Mulcair's big mistake in 2015. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like uh, a stick in the chat just pointed out Jack Layton. For as much as I like Jack Layton, seemed like a great guy. He did move the party right. And they achieved their biggest electoral success under Layton, basically trying to be a better version of the Liberal Party. And it was quite successful. Um, But I think that was Trudeau did in 2015. With Layton being gone, he he just ran to their left. He took that role. He, he, the, because the NDP got fooled into thinking that they had to peel away votes from conservatives. So that left the whole left of the field open for Trudeau to exploit. Even in this election, we see O'Toole making these sops towards sort of leftish ideas in some economic things, things that he can say anything he likes while he's running for office. He won't do any of it. 
Yeah, like, like you proposed like putting a putting a law putting work a one worker seat on the boards of like major companies and stuff. Yeah, which will never cynical. happen. But it'll like, never happen. Yeah, but you can see how they're trying to appropriate some of that left wing language and get to get to Trudeau's left on some of these issues, which is incredible. As a friend of mine uh, said to me when I, we were younger, these words resonated in my head ever since. He was saying, "Do you think the NDP are popular in the West because everybody wants to see gay marriage and uh, you know, like uh, affirmative action programs? It's because of the farm subsidies. They hate yeah. gay people. They hate minorities." But they vote NDP because of the uh, economic reasons, uh, and and I think that one of the scary parts about modern conservative thought is that there are a lot of people who are working class who uh, whose votes have gone towards left and center left parties for a long time, but they themselves are reactionary people, and so parties like o Harper and O'Toole have figured that out and are now throwing bones their way to get them to vote because it appeals to some level of their former yeah. NDP membership, but they're not really going to do it. No. And I mean, even that's the thing that's, it's kind of a mirage to that whole idea of like, even if you put a worker on the board of a, of a major company, it's like, it's one seat. It means nothing. Like it, they won't actually have impact or any like democratic impact into the, into the, the, what the, what this company is doing or the way it operates. It's purely just like a performative thing of like, that allows them to kind of like shore up their, you know, working people bona fides, even though it's not, that it wouldn't actually mean anything for working people. And that quote unquote worker on the board will be appointed as well. It's yes, not going to be like it's not going to be anybody who actually represents the yeah. workers' position. It'll be a, a, a ceremonial seat. Yeah, filled by through patronage. Yeah, probably rubber stamping that whatever the corporate agenda is. Um, and that and then that would be used against workers. They'd say, "Well, yeah, your exactly. worker on the board voted for it." Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I guess all this is to say that like it's still very early. We've got three weeks to go. I'm expecting like a lot of different changes. I'm not panicking yet about the what the polling is doing right now. Yeah. But um, it's going to be – we're going to keep our eyes on this. And uh, thanks for coming on and breaking this stuff down with me, Jesse. You have any uh, – while we're still here, you have any like uh, any movie wrecks? You're a big movie mindset guy. I'm a big movie mindset guy. Um, yeah. Well, I can recommend that I just dropped an episode of uh, my podcast, Junk Filter, on the Val Kilmer movie, Spartan. Yes. Yeah, the MMA. Yeah. And I will tease that my next episode is about the films of Andrew Dominic. And in particular, I would recommend anybody on this Twitch stream, check out his movie with Brad Pitt called Killing Them Softly, which has- Was that the one with Brad Pitt? That's the one with uh, with these guys who rob a mafia card game. It's an allegory for the 2008 economic crisis. Okay, and it yeah. was the first American movie that offered a critique of Obama that didn't come across as right-wing or racist. Okay, interesting. It aged really well. Interesting. Yeah, it's a really good film, and it's, an, it's a solid critique that people were angry at the time because it was a movie that dared to criticize Obama's, you know, image but it's aged so well it is what we are all saying now about obama being a disappointment yeah but this movie did it in 2012 when it was not cool to say the name of the movie was killing them softly killing yeah. them softly and yeah. i highly recommend it that's cool i'm gonna be dealing with that on my next episode cool uh junk filter it's a great pod i enjoy it we've been talking to, i gotta do an episode eventually we've been talking about it for like six months eventually we'll figure out a film to talk about on this on this podcast, can I tell can I tell uh, the Twitch stream that the the part that Rob and I were planning a show uh, where we were going to get really wrecked and we were going to argue that Die Hard was a Christmas movie? Yeah, exactly. 
We should do that actually. Yeah, it's by the time we get around to it in a whole year, we'll be Christmas. We'll we'll do it again. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Coming soon, Rob, to a podcast near me. Yeah. (laughs) Or we can talk about the the Eddie Furlong film from 1995, Brain Scan. Sure. I'm up for it. Um, All right. Well, thanks a lot, Jesse. It was good to talk to you. Uh, You're welcome to come back. Thank you. Um, I would love to. For some, for some election correspondent yeah. are, you, stuff. are you doing election night coverage? I am. For cer- I'm certainly going to be doing election night coverage. It's a question of whether I'm going to be doing it here. I might have some possible, some possible uh, possibilities on the horizon to do some s- semi-professional punditry on election night. Beautiful. So we're going to see how that goes. But thunder. Yeah, it, we'll see how that goes. But either way, I'll be doing a – I'll certainly be doing a um, – Aftermath. If I don't do a live night, I'll be doing an election after- aftermath, so I'll get Excellent. you on the panel. Okay, wonderful. All right, man. Thanks for taking the time. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, and, and good night, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Rob Rousseau Show. If you want to support the show, you can do so on patreon.com slash Rob Please also make sure you check out the Harbinger Media Network at harbingermedianetwork.com. TRRS airs live on Twitch three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to four. So if you enjoyed this show, please join the community over there and ask about the friendship triangle. That's all for now. This is your friend Rob Rousseau signing off. Take care. Bye. Bye.